When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And Mike Templeton couldn't make it this week. Yeah, spent some quality time with his wife, but he is here with us in spirit. Um, yes. So Mike's wife, if you're listening, just know that he was really here with us the entire time. You know, maybe maybe we shouldn't uh, put words in his mouth, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not here to defend himself. That's the best time to put words in someone's mouth. <laughs> you're not wrong. So what are we doing this week, Spencer? This week, we're covering more of Armageddon game, which has me excited because there's been a lot of really fun stuff in these issues. I'm excited about it. Yeah. No, no, we're not going to bury the lead. Like, these were pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so still, got, still going strong. Yeah, so we got Armageddon games number two. That's like the proper main series. And then TMNT 133. Um. Spencer, I meant to ask you this beforehand. Which one comes first? Because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't uh, really tell. <laughs> I'm going to say 133 because it releases first. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Not to mention that one kind of ends with uh, the whole issue with the dark, crooked turtles, whatever we want to call them, while number two kind of begins with that. So I'd also put it after it in reading order just because of that. So I think I'm first tonight then, right? Yeah. Okay, let me tell you a story. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear. About Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it! So this is TMNT 133, story by Sophie Campbell, art by Pharaoh Pei, colors by Rhonda Patterson, and letters by Sean Lee. So, in the future, Leo and Carmen are asking Bob not to do this, whatever this is. Uh, Bob says that... He he has to and unleashes some type of glowing red shark thing upon them. Carmen suddenly snaps awake in the dojo and sees Sari, the Triceraton Regenta, and scares her. Sari runs to find Don, who's talking to April about Baxter's upcoming State of the City address. Sari finds Don tells Little Green Totem that he made, that he made in the forest last issue, and Don explains that magic is just science we don't understand yet, and that he's trying to quantify its energy. At the Mutant Town City Hall, uh, which doesn't make sense, it should be called a town hall, right? But anyway, uh, Sally Pride appoints Jenica as the new constable while Raph is off looking for Hob. Jenica's a little trepidatious about the gig, but Sally assures her that she'll have the help of Deputy Monty to help her out. Jenica calls Sheena to catch up after her ordeal with, at Dr. Barlow's, saying she wants to see her again soon. After they hang up, Jenica starts her first patrol while Sheena hides under her bed covers. Jenica heads to the Mutant Town Farmer's Market and is spotted by Lita and Wanda just as Baxter begins his address. 
Meanwhile, at the Foot Clan headquarters, Bludgeon heads to the basement to check, to check on Venus, who's been meditating to heal her body. They start doing some training, and Venus complains about only having fleeting memories of her past. Suddenly, her turtle arm grows back. Bludgeon theorizes that reminiscing on lost memories is helping her heal, and they, med- they meditate on that fact. I mean, while they meditate, Venus contacts Donatello in the astral plane. He asks where she is, but she can't tell him. Donatello comes out of the astral plane just in time to catch Baxter's address and the imposter turtle's attack. The attack has ripples through Mutant Town as folks think it's the actual TMNT and start taking sides. Riots start to break out. In Harold's lab, April is working on the nobody armor when Donatello calls her for assistance with the riots. As they're talking, the lab sensors pick up an energy surge headed in Angel's direction. The wall of the lab crashes in, revealing five figures. They say they mean no harm, but Angel just starts blasting. Uh, She's shot at and hit, knocking her unconscious. The last panel, we see the five creatures, what looks like a mutant fox, gorilla, dog, otter, and maybe a porcupine, saying they have neutralized the immediate threat. The dog says it's time to search and destroy while showing a hologram of Sari. The end for now. All right, and then so now we'll pick up with my story. That's Armageddon Games number two. Story by Tom Waltz, art by Vincenzo Federici, colors by Matt Herms, letters by Sean Lee, editorial assistance by Nicholas Nino, and editor Charles Beecham. So we open with Stockman hiring Darkwater. They seem to be hesitant to accept the job, but Stockman reveals that one of the threats he needs protecting from is Hob, and after they hear that, they are all in, since they have some bad blood with him. Now we cut to the Crooked Turtles holding Stockman at Psy Point, creating a standoff between the Turtles and Darkwater. One of the Darkwater soldiers identifies the Turtle with the size as Raphael, but he corrects him and tells him it's Leo. This is strange for both Darkwater and Detective Lewis, who is also present. Stockman tells Darkwater to let the Crooked Turtles go, and they obey. The Turtles use their chance to escape. Detective Lewis finds everything very fishy. Meanwhile, in Dimension X, Mikey, Leo, Shredder, Zack, and Kala are docking at the Pleasure Dome to find transport to Dimension Z and the Nova Posse. When trying to decide how to split up, out steps Princess Trib. The only person that is elated to see her is Mikey. In New York, Karai sees the attack on the mayor by the new turtle clones on the news. At Hobbs' new hiding place, Raph and Herman confront him. Back in Dimension X, Princess Trib is helping the turtles out, and that's final. They at least convince her to go out in a disguise, so they get her a cloak to disguise herself with. The bartender points our heroes in the direction of a patron who can help them travel to Dimension Z to find Cherube. They talk to a mysterious hooded man who hooks them up with a buddy of his for a price. He then promptly gets up and pawns off a baby Gribbix on to the turtles and neutrinos before he takes off running. Chasing him is the Nova Posse. He evades them and escapes before the turtles are able to talk to the posse. Uh, the posse explains that they're trying to catch Torben Zix, the guy who just escaped. He's a smuggler and outlaw and their reputation as bounty hunters are, is staked on bringing him in, so they re- regretfully can't help the turtles because they are too busy. 
Princess Trib reveals herself and offers to help them catch Zix so that they can help our heroes. The Nova Posse agrees. Just after that, Shredder and Leo's ride to Dimension Z arrives. It's a giant floating cow head calling itself Cuddly the Transdimensional Cowlick. To be continued, eventually. Bum, bum, bum. Cuddly. I'm I know. excited for that. I'm... Man, they like they've really pulled from a lot for these. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about it in our next segment, the second time around. Hey, uh, nice junk. So all right. I'll let you go ahead and talk about the thing in uh, Carmen's vision at the oh, very yeah, beginning but... of 133, because I know that's something you love. I'm pretty sure it's Armagon, right? Because it's like a giant shark, and when you can see like. Part of its body it looks mechanical. So I'm it thinking does. it's Armagon, which is pretty cool. Yeah, there, there's no way that she's having a vision of the future. And there's a giant red shark with mechanical things. Like, I mean, red isn't necessarily Armagon's color, but that thing's got to be Armagon. Well, yeah, but it's in the future and he is the future shark. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the future shark trilogy, you right, know, right. <laughs> so it's in the future. We yeah. see a giant shark that probably has mechanical things on it. There's no way it's not him. I'm excited. I am a big Armagon fan. Uh, the other cool thing, so I don't know if we've mentioned it before when seeing Sari, but Sari actually comes from volume four of the Mirage comics. Uh, aliens have like formerly landed. Aliens have formerly landed on the planet Earth and are public and everyone knows that they exist. And so there's a lot of them that come and like are visiting and get tours. And so there's one that is a Regenta that she's not a Triceraton. She's a pro protoceraton, which are pretty much just Styracodon Triceratons. Yeah. Uh, so Triceratons sort of without the horns, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and her name is Sari. Her and Mikey have a fling. Uh, and then she totally just like burns him and, you know, like not literally, but you know, she gets him arrested and imprisoned, and he's probably gonna die in that prison and manages to escape. It's it's a whole thing. But uh not really the same character here, but it is a cool callback to Mirage Volume Four, because that's I don't know, anytime you do that, you're making a deep cut. And there's probably no way they'd be able to incorporate that character in this story otherwise. So I'm cool with it. So I haven't read any of volume four. I wonder if there's other volume four references we've missed, or if this is like the first one. Uh, Shredder becoming a good guy could be a reference. Uh, essentially, Leonardo goes to the Battle Nexus, and he ends up meeting an Oroku Yoshi, and he's like a good Shredder that's there in the Battle Nexus. Okay. Uh, and he sits down and like hangs with him for a sec, and then you know the comics never got continued. <laughs> the- comic ended <laughs> yeah yeah so who knows where they were going with that it could have been cool um yeah. but we'll never know i think <laughs> Unless... i start reading that because it's uh, that's a total blank spot on my radar i know a couple things that happen mostly the the mic and space kind of stuff but yeah that's a completely blank spot on my radar so it's it's fun and it's interesting uh i just i wish it had some sort of ending <laughs> so yeah, badly yeah, yeah there's there are some massive plot threads that peter laird just dropped when he stopped writing the book and it's kind of a shame 
I wish that he'd maybe just like give someone his blessing to continue it if he doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. If there's anyone out there that desires to do that, there's got to be at least one guy somewhere. You know, it's, it's a crappy ending. Just give me an ending. <laughs> it's tough too because it's been like what? It's been 13 years since he sold the franchise. Yeah. And like, I, I, I can't believe that Volume 4 was like super popular at the time when he sold it. And so it seems like there's almost more want for it now now that he's like officially retired you know <laughs> like yeah well and, i mean and in, his, in, in his mind like i'm sure he's still thinking of, of back in 2009 when, like it wasn't a very popular comic yeah so yeah well i think a lot of a lot more fans actually have discovered and gotten into the comics ever since nick yeah. bought it just because they with all of the advertising and everything they've done they've brought it a lot more back into the public eye than it was then and more people have gotten into comic books well, it's a learned. lot more accessible too because like you can just get it on comicsology now you don't have yeah. to dig around back issue bins and all that crap well and on top of that <laughs> you turtles forever he sold it shortly after turtles forever came out mm -hmm. and turtles forever like let a whole ton of people know that the comics existed that probably didn't know they existed. I know I didn't. I didn't like when I was a kid and I saw that and learned that Ninja Turtles was originally a comic. I had no idea. I learned that from uh, watching Turtles Forever. So I knew it was a comic and I don't remember like when I knew it was a comic, but um, I always thought it was the comics that I had when I was a kid, the adventures comics. And at some point I realized that like, no, it was another comic. It was probably shortly before I think I might have been in college, so it was probably shortly before Turtles Forever, probably around the 2007 movie, uh -huh. around there. So, yeah, that just opened up a whole new world of getting back into the franchise, you know? Yeah. When you have a big corporation, like one of the, I guess, the advantages, you know, for of a big corporation owning a property is that they've got the marketing power now that you yeah. just don't have from someone who just owns, you know, something like the Ninja Turtles on their own. Uh, and they, you know, they have a lot more money to throw around and those risks aren't as big for them to to take when they do advertise it. Oh, yeah. And so that's that's really helped breathe new life into Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know, the same way that Disney buying Star Wars kind of breathed new life into Star Wars. Whether you like new Star Wars stuff or not, it, they've still made it even more mainstream and even more people find Star Wars and watch Star Wars and everything today yeah. because of it. So... Anyway, it's just one of those things that, that happens. Yeah. Anyway, back to this issue. Yeah. Um, the only the only other note I have for a second time around, I don't know that we've seen him yet, but Deputy Monty, I'm really hoping that's Monty Mew, Moose, the like Canadian, uh, uh, the Canadian what, what Mountie Moose. Mountie, yeah, he's a Mountie. <laughs> he's a Moose. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was an action figure back in the '90s. Yeah. It probably is him. I I highly doubt it's not, but. They they tend to actually make those polls. I wish we would just quit dropping his name and show him. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe I, I just need to go a third time, but maybe I just need to go fish through some of those old issues back when, like, they're going to be revolting against Hobbes government, and see if mm -hmm. there's a moose in there, in their midst. Because oh, if it is, that's probably Mount Monty. But yeah, that's all I, all I got for that issue. Yeah, that's all I have too. So Armageddon Games number two. Boy, a lot, a lot of stuff in this one. Yeah. 
Number one is that they drive past the volcanic asteroid that the Technodrome was stuck on in Dimension X for mm-hmm. almost all of season four. Uh, maybe all of season four, actually, now that I said I think it. It was, all, it was all of season four, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's now into season five that they finally got off of it. Right. They're in the Arctic or something now? Yeah. 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 Um, so then they drive past that to the Blastorama Pleasure Dome. Which is from Dimension X story. Yeah. When the turtles go to Dimension X and actually fly off that asteroid for a little bit and they run into this place. So that's a deep pull from the 87 series. I'm amazed that there's not like a local bar in my town called the Blastorama Pleasure Dome. (laughs) (laughs) What a name. I I I feel like you're going to like have a place that's with the name like Pleasure Dome. I feel like that's going to be a little bit, you know. Oh, yeah. No, the, <laughs> the better business bureau is going to be all up my ass. But yeah. <laughs> also, did you notice the, the docker guy that they talked to about getting their ship like docked and everything? He looks exactly like Mojo from the X-Men. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I haven't really like read or watched a whole lot of X-Men, so... Oh yeah, Mojo's this like other dimensional TV producer basically, and he's like this kind of slug monster with like dreadlocks uh, and big claws, and he's on like a a machine with scorpion legs and a tail. It's really weird, but he looks uh, the character in this book looks exactly like that character I, to the point that like you know turtles is always kind of pushed getting sued with daredevil but like now they're just like really going for it you know <laughs> yeah well i mean speaking of that on page 20 there's a probe droid like an imperial probe droid which granted oh uh that act that design actually comes from the valerian comics uh in france there were like those like a french sci-fi comic i mean people have now seen the movie valerian uh, Star Wars essentially lifted that from those comics and used it before Valerian could ever make a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. Cool. Yeah, so it's originally designed by Mo- Mobius, the the comic book artist. Oh yeah, he has good stuff. Or I did. I think he's passed away, but yeah, do good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, the probe droid. N- another little fun fact for you there. Yeah. Cool. Kind of reminds me of the Space Canteen back in like was it issue five of the mirage series when they're like just like every monster in the background was something you know <laughs> yeah well then in the in the 2003 series they straight up like they're looking for transport off of there and you look over and they have like parodies of a parody of han solo and chewbacca sitting yeah. in the booth and then they like i think it's the only time they break the fourth wall in the whole series they just like look at the screen they're like now nah, we can do better <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't go you know, they don't just go to the, the knockoffs. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it already, but uh, uh, there's a Gribix in this issue as well. Yeah, which is a deep pull from the 87 series as well. The Gribix. Yeah. This is kind of what I've been annoyed about with the 87 series is like there's all this stuff in Dimension X and it never crosses over with itself, you know? Like, yeah, the, the Blastorama Pleasure Dome has been in this entire time. Gribixes are apparently everywhere, but like we only ever see these things one at a time. So it's cool just that once. they're just tying them into each other, you know? Yeah. No, I because that that's the thing is, I mean, they are able to pull these things from Dimension X and the 87 series a whole lot from Advent the Adventures comics, uh, and as well as Ninja Turtles Fast Forward. 
which you know blends seamlessly with Dimension X stuff from there. Uh, and it's super cool because it like kind of builds this world from everything we know the way the IDW series does, but like it builds the world of Dimension X so that it's not this thing that feels like, oh, we visit one little tiny thing from there that we'll never see again. It's just for the sake of creating our quick Mad Libs plot where the turtles get into some shenanigans and then this thing disappears forever. You know, I'm it's so like, glad I put my money where my mouth is on that because <laughs> it worked out so well. And that was such a coherent plot compared to like most of the 87 series. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah, but, we didn't even talk about the, the 2003 reference here, Spencer. Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing I was going to bring up, though. Speaking of taking things from fast forward and blending them in, Torben Zix. Uh, he's from season six of Ninja Turtles. Fast forward. Um, and he is a perfect adaptation of the character. You know, very slick guy. He's always like one step ahead of, of everyone else, always looking for his way out to pull a con, to pull one over on everyone else. And they even kept the hologram bit. So like in the show, he'll frequently use holograms to like mess with his enemies, whoever's trying to get him. You know, he'll make Triceratons crash into walls because his his uh hologram is there. Raphael several times tries to pounce on him and flies through a hologram. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they even still have him using his holograms is amazing. Or they even have him pulling out his black blade, which he doesn't even have in that show, but he has an alias Zix of the black blade that gets mentioned once. And he actually pulls out like a black sword that references that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm really glad that they did this character justice. <laughs> it's fun. I remember I him as a wait character. To see like, I, yeah. I can't wait to see him hunt him down. Right. I remember them. I remember him being a character, but I don't remember like anything specific. I, I remember he like got the turtles to come on a a run with him. That's about it. Yeah. So that's the thing is like he's kind of this that he has like respect for the turtles for them being good people. So when they first meet him, uh they receive like a warning from Bishop that he's been seeing and I think he maybe wants him to take him in, them to take him in. And so they don't even know what the guy looks like. And so they're going around and they eventually find him and they chase him down and he's going to be delivering a package for Shokanabo. Uh mm-hmm. so they end up going onto the ship that's going to be blasting out of like the spaceport and he, everyone ends up learning that he's put a bomb on there that's going to be blowing up everyone and the spaceport and so then the turtles take over and help and he actually helps them cuz he you know if he known it was a bomb that was going to be blowing up and killing innocents he wouldn't have taken it you know he's sleazy but he's not that sleazy uh so he does help them right survive and escape and and solve the problem and everything else but you know at the same time when they try to thank him he's already long gone he's just left a hologram there to talk to him (laughs) but you know and so then later on he like tricks him into helping him by pretending he's in trouble and sending him a distress call and so they go after you know to save him because you know they're the they're heroes they can't not save someone that needs help and then they show up and he's not in any trouble at all and they're like what's up with the fake uh the fake distress call and he's like well would you come and help me if i told you i needed your help on a job and they're just like uh no <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's kind of like a a very manipulative guy i really like him and and his yeah. episodes so like i said it's awesome to see him here 
See, I don't comics. remember him having more than one episode, so I might have to go back and Trey pick those. And yeah, he's out. he's got three. Uh, Zick Sense, Milk Run, okay. and his first appearance. I can't remember its name. They're some of the better episodes of of that season, cool. in my opinion. And then the final thing that made its first appearance that we already mentioned, it's his first appearance in this seat in this series, is Cuddly Cowlick. The interdimensional traveling head from Turtles Adventures. And I don't even know how the turtles meet him in the first place. Uh, oh, so they meet, him, they meet him because he takes them to an inter- intergalactic wrestling ring. Okay. Why does he do that? <laughs> you know, well, like, when does he show up? Do you remember? Now that I said that out loud, I don't remember why they went. Were they already in space? It's actually like a very early comic where they meet. Him. Yeah, it is very early on. Because that's the thing is, so I've read, I broke my seal on Turtles Adventures because I wanted to do good enough research to cover Noel for a TikTok I just did that uh-huh. just got marked for sensitive content because I said the word uh, slavery because Noel does that because uh, oh. he's a bad guy. Interesting. I'm pretty sure that's why they, they blocked it. So you have to like, say yes i want to watch this sensitive content where someone says that a bad guy has enslaved someone before you can watch it and it's it's made it so it's not being seen by as many people and it was actually doing really really well so it's kind of a bummer but i might take it down and try and re-upload it with a change of words forcing people to work against their will uh so the the internet overlords will be okay with it. But anyway, my point is, <laughs> they'd already met Cuddly Cowlick, and Noel actually appears pretty early on in the series. And he just seems to be their mode of transportation. Like, he will just show up and shove anyone in his mouth and travel across dimensions. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to look it up just now. I Apparently, it's literally like he just abducts the turtles. <laughs> like, in like issue six or something. Like it's it's stupidly early yeah um yeah adventures gets off the rails really fast it's weird to me that like i didn't question this at all as a child yeah you know like (laughs) i just was like totally like yeah the turtles fly around space in a giant cow head what what's weird about that yeah yeah well acts as a transport for like when they fight like Maligna in space and and uh, they go to like the final conflict on another planet and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's like I even mentioned uh, the other day I mentioned to you guys that there's like this cute little like lobster-like creature that Man Ray is standing up for and there's one of them called Bubla and like... Bubla the Gublub. Bubla the Gublub. Yeah. And I don't know if he's in any issues before that. It was the first issue I had read with him in it. So he just shows up and he's just this cute little thing. It's just like, glub, 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 glub. That's all he says. Uh, he's just sitting there with his little lobster pinchers looking adorable. Uh, and he just gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be funny, but it's like so out of pocket with like this cute cartoony art. And yeah, like Man Ray like pushes this guy's gun and the guy shoots and he ends up accidentally shooting Bubba the glove glove. And he's just like, oh. 
and he just makes this really traumatic moment but like the the art is so cute that it, it, it like it feels like something from no, rick it's... and morty <laughs> like i'd expect rick and morty to introduce this really cute it guy and then nowhere get you know? shot. like yeah like it's so out of pocket just boom adorable little creature is shot and dies you know and I, I can't help but find it funny and I feel like a terrible person for it, but there's something kind of funny about it. And I feel like Justin Roiland cartoons have just destroyed me as a person and made me evil and laugh at cute things being shot that are random. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those where like two things can be true. Like it is funny and you're an awful person. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's probably both. It, it really is like out of nowhere though. Like you totally don't expect because if I remember right, the, like the whole issue was like they're polluting the Gublub's water or something. Yeah, then, well, the dude just the goes and is, like shoots one. Like they spend so much time doing like cute, like the turtles are swimming and they're like, oh, look at this turtle with trash around its neck. Like pull the trash off. Like they're they're like covering pollution and it feels like very childish and educational uh, and cute. Like the story up before that point is cute, and then the turtles get abducted. And, you know, it's like, oh, man, these guys are bad. They're out there polluting, you know, like, let's let's go stop them. Very, you know, 90s, like, go green mm-hmm. stuff. And then he and then Bubba the Gub Glove gets shot yes. and dies. <laughs> and Man Ray goes on this, like, rage, uh, just smashing everything and everything because he's so upset about the Glove go getting shot for good reason. He should mm-hmm. be. Yeah. But it's so out of pocket. It's such an intense tonal shift. And the art still is adorable. Like, everything is still cute. It shouldn't be funny. Anyway, we'll we'll probably talk about this more <laughs> when we cover those issues. But <laughs> caught me so off yeah, guard. Yeah, what's bad is, like, there's, there's even a follow-up where, like, I, I think at the end of that, there's funeral. And there's another, like, small issue where they, like, end his funeral and then, like, immediately get abducted onto a pirate ship. So like it just goes right back to being insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't t- stop to take a breath ever. <laughs> They're going from one thing to being swallowed up by a cow head to another thing. But anyway, that's uh, that's all I had for the second time around. We're we good to go into anchovies. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing, and you're in big trouble. Okay. I call it low. So. Issue 133. I don't actually really have anchovies for either of these issues, to be honest. Uh, I guess I'm kind of tired of Mutant Town, but it's like not my favorite thing in the whole wide world. I don't know why. It just has never quite jived with me, but that's that's about it. Like, it's, it's fine. Yeah, my big issue, and I think I've alluded to this before, my big issue with Mutant Town is like, I was real excited when Jenica became a mutant because like the mutanimals at least were like against humans that voluntarily became a mutant. And she was a human that did not voluntarily become a mutant. So I'm like, Oh, she's something new and unique. And then now like there's a whole town of the same kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. It, it, it took away from that for me. Um, yeah. Well, it could yeah, have it, been a really unique story for her as an individual too, of being like the only one of the turtles that was a human beforehand and got mutated at least you know in this lifetime anyway yeah uh, got yeah. mutated into a turtle yeah i was real excited to see like where her story was going to go post 100 and then like 
suddenly everybody else is a mutant. It's like, well, now she just fits in again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that that's about it. Like, that's the only, honestly, the only really thing I kind of have. And even then, that's just kind of, it's not that big a deal, you know? Yeah. The stuff I have written down for both of these really is pretty small. So, like, when this issue starts out, it says it's the future. But mm-hmm. then Carmen wakes up from a dream. I'm like, could we just, could we pick one or the other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is a vision of, a you know, the distant future? Maybe not so distant. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think they could just left the future off of it, you know, yeah. and, and just let it breathe. Um, my, another small complaint I had, when Venus heals her arm, like, I thought she was a mutant frog, but she heals a turtle arm. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of strange, but... Well, she's she's just a Frankenstein because it doesn't seem, even seem like she's fully frog. Like she's just like a Frankenstein of different mutant reptiles and amphibians, you know, made to like constructed to be a turtle. You know, I guess. Oh, so maybe like the little stub she has is actually turtle. So when it grows back, it grows yeah. back to turtle part. Or or maybe okay. it's just because she currently sees herself as a turtle that she's when she's restoring herself because it's magic. It's it's turtle. I, I don't really know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool look with the one frog arm and the one turtle arm. Yeah. Of, you know, if she's just going to be a regular turtle, like that's fine. But like, I thought the Frankenstein look was pretty unique. So I know I really liked it too. Um, Another weird thing that caught my eye is that like Jenica's the constable now. And I like her like upper body, body armor that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, it, and I think it makes a lot more sense than like the robes. Cause like at least the body armor protects like the part of her that's not shell. Yeah, the robes was just rose, but she's still wearing like ripped fishnets on her pants. Well, that's just style, you know, she's punk. Yeah, but you're a cop now. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) That can't be up to code. (laughs) Substitute cop, though, you know. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. Yeah, that's all I had. I and like I said, those are like the most minor things. Like I'm I'm looking for something to talk about if I'm looking for something bad. Yeah. But yeah, with everything going on, like Mutant Town seems like very much it should be in the background but we keep coming back to mutant town <laughs> yeah it's like i'm kind of ready for them to like find some solution to mutant town and just kind of move on from it uh because even in the turtles world like i feel like one of the things that makes them unique is them kind of being alone and mm-hmm. and unique and not really having anyone else that's like them you know with maybe a few exceptions like you can kind of like reduce it down to the mute animals and like that's fine but it's like when you have like a whole town of people and like i don't know they're able to like participate in community and things like that i can see where people would come from that would really want to see that but i feel like that's kind of one of those things that's part of the dna of turtles though is for them to like not really have a place mm-hmm. uh and to not really fit in with society but wait i think like me. one of the jenica miniseries they they like had some footage of someone being demutated but i don't know whatever came of that or if it was just like it was it was like this big rumor that they'd found something and then Mm -hmm. like they it didn't you know it didn't work it was a fake thing to lure people into some trap for something or other uh i i feel like they could just introduce a cure at any time now and kind of eventually revert things to something similar to what they were before if they wanted to we'll have to see what decisions are made even like you know they walled off that part of new york for an airborne virus which seemed weird to me but like at this point obviously it's not mutating other people like april's been in and out and uh there's that other 
news anchorly that's been in and out and well like, now it seems like there's like negative press for mutants you know like people like look down on them and see them as like a problem for society and and like an illness kind of thing and so that's why they want them walled off and quarantined kind of thing yeah is what it seemed like it's turned into but the, yeah they haven't quite i mean they've they've talked about it a bit and viewing them as freaks and people more of being scared of them than they are scared of becoming mutants and just wanting them separated mm. uh i get that yeah i guess i would just like to see it more like i like that but i feel like it would have it might have been a little more effective had they not immediately been walled off and been walled off this entire time you know yeah well i don't know because it's to me seems like it is kind of like an evolution thing it's just it wasn't the evolution wasn't shown very heavy-handedly you know at first it was like we don't know what caused this we need to you know rope these people off and then after that it like people outside the walls are like oh mutants are scary they're freaks they're weird i don't want to be mingling with them you know i don't yeah because this this story jumped ahead six months right at 101 after all yeah. that had happened so we kind of yeah. missed all that so yeah anyway anyhow uh armageddon games i only have one bad written down and honestly i think it might just be i don't remember what what's up with Lindsay's hand you know uh, talking about? like she has like one hand that's like black and a claw i don't know i'll have to look at that again i don't know either and i don't remember her being like half mutant or like is it just a poorly drawn glove but it, it really irked me <laughs> let's see here let me see if i can even find the page again i think she just has a glove on but i see what you're saying she's scratching her nose with it i think it's just a hand with a glove on i don't know why she only has one glove on but i think it's just a glove and for okay. some reason, she's only wearing one. Okay. It was weird to me out. I'm like, what? Like, I don't have the best memory anyway, but it was really weird to me out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think if, like, she burned her hand or something in a previous issue, but I can't remember any of it. And it almost looks like she's, like, missing a pinky, but, but, but like, has a mutant hand. Like, she only has three fingers anyway, you know? Well, yeah, she's... Well, it seems like she's just got her hand, like, her other fingers down, and that finger up is she's, like, scratching her nose or moving something. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that is weird. Like, I, if she's wearing only one glove, I want to know... <laughs> I guess I maybe don't really care that much why, but still, <laughs> it's just an interesting fashion statement. Maybe Rizzle. she's a big Michael Jackson fan. Yeah, but he had, like, a... He had a studded uh, glove. This is just a black... Uh, Maybe it's just a coloring error. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she took off one and then like got distracted and forgot to take off the other one. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it it really jumped out at me and stuck with me through the whole issue. Like, what is up with her hand? <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I didn't even notice until you just pointed it out, but I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now it'll plague me. Right. Yeah, when that comes back around, you can thank me, though. <laughs> But good thing Keith noticed that, otherwise I wouldn't know the background. <laughs> All right, we already talked about what we did like. Yes, 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 yes. I love being a turtle! So I love how Jenica in 133 asks about if she has to wear the cape. And we learn that Raphael just chooses to wear this cape. Yeah. And I love how like overdramatic that is. <laughs> but also yeah. Raphael's right. Like, we should be wearing capes. 
Oh yeah. I'm like, like there's a case people want to sit and point out with like superheroes and stuff. Oh, capes are impractical. They are, but you know what? They are also cool. Right. right. Alan Scott would not look nearly as cool unless he had that big dramatic purple cape with the massive collar coming up. Capes are awesome and we should be wearing them in day-to-day life, in my opinion. It should be I'm socially not... acceptable to just go to work in a cape. I'm not as into the the part that comes up around your head, like Doctor Strange, you know, that like cuts off your peripheral vision, like, uh-huh. like what Alan Scott has. Like that just seems very dangerous and like a lot of starch to maintain. But, uh, you know, a nice, like, you know, uh, back of the calf length cape or even like that, like half one that like Shazam has, you know, yeah. I think we should be able to wear those around. Like, like, I, I don't know who's in charge of determining the world's fashion, but start wearing capes, guys. Like, just yeah. do it. You know, let's start seeing capes at Met Gala or whatever it is that pushes fashion. You know, <laughs> well, I think part of the problem is like, I don't know right now where I could buy a cape. Or like yeah. how are how are they sized? Like, but would I get one that was too small for my neck or or shoulders? You know. Yeah, I mean, you have to get like costume ones still, you know, from like Halloween, like cheap ones. But I, I want like a high quality cape that you know I can, I can wear with like a shirt and and some pants kind of thing, something nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, I want you know the the yellow uh, interior and the the black on the outside, like Robin, or you know. One that like comes up over the face and, and has the same thing like our man. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Right. Why why isn't why aren't capes coming back yet? This is a cape positive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are pro cape. Right. It's easy to be pro cape when no one can see you though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only time I get to wear a cape is at comic conventions and it bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to put together an Alan Scott cosplay. That's what I need to do. I want that big dramatic colored cape. I used to have a shirt that was, it was just a red t-shirt, but it was that logo. That's like the actual lantern in a yellow circle. It was a really cool shirt. I really liked it. I had that. And then I had the Jay Garrick flash, which was like the half lightning bolt Uh up the the, uh, shoulder of it. I love Jay Garrick's design, but anyway, I know that helmet. (laughs) The helmet. Amazing. And like the fact that it just, I mean, I don't know if those are jeans or not, but just the fact that it looks like he's just running in boots and jeans. uh, (laughs) There's, there's an ultra marathoner. His name was something young. Uh, He just showed up to run an ultra marathon in Australia in like his overalls and boots. (laughs) And they were like, what are you, you know, you have all these guys with like the super light gear and everything else. Like all, and these people are asking him like, what are you doing? And he's just like, oh, well, I herd sheep and I do it all on foot. And I just run up and down the mountains is what I wear when I'm doing that. So I'm just wearing this here. <laughs> and then he won. That's amazing. He won. Like he he like he created a, a technique known as the young shuffle that people were using because of his like interest. Like his style of running was good for running an ultra marathon. He wouldn't he didn't sleep or anything like he didn't take breaks. He just ran the whole marathon anyway. You you went down a, a a Wikipedia hole on this, didn't you? <laughs> um, I was a runner. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, I, I was a runner in high school. So, one of the most baffling things about our society to me is that there's people that subscribe to a running magazine. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like that's like one of two things that humans do best in in the animal kingdom. Like we're we're one of the best long distance runners in the animal kingdom. Like, why do we need a magazine to tell us how to do it better? (laughs) (laughs) 
it's like that and throwing things are like the two things that we have going for us <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah that's the thing about jay garrick is it reminds me of that guy and so i just i oh, love yeah, it because it. it's something very old school about it like very like yeah, it's just something very old school about it that just looks good and just looks cool, but also at the same time kind of campy and I can't get over it. I love it. Yeah, he looks like he just got done like like leveling out concrete and was like, oh, I got to be fast and be a superhero now. Whoop. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he looks like a working man's hero. Maybe yeah, right. Yeah, real blue color. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. 133, what I liked about it. Um, I have written down that I, I really like how they kind of split the story up where like all the space stuff is happening. In Armageddon games and all the Earth stuff is happening mm-hmm. uh, in, in the main series, and it's it's cool that there's enough going on in this book that like four turtles can cross over on in two books and have a bunch of interesting stuff going on. Yeah, it's a real cool way to split it up. Yeah, no, I I really love that too. And I mean, granted, two of these books are being written by one person, and only one of them is being written by a separate person. So take this with a grain of salt, but you know. DC and Marvel could really learn a thing or two about how to write an event book from, <laughs> yeah, from Tom yeah. Waltz. You know, everyone's kind of got like their own individual thing going on. And, and even the way like these books connect, because like in the next issue in Armageddon Games 2, you get to see Koya wondering where Bludgeon's at and start calling for him. And in 133, you see him while he's teaching her that Koya starts calling for him and wondering where he's at. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good way to intersect it. Yeah, like it's so like cool how interconnected they're able to get in these stories. And granted, once again, it's it's probably because there's only two creators on these books, but <laughs> it's cool. Like everyone loves seeing the kind of interconnectedness between books. All right, ready for Armageddon game? Yeah. Um, speaking of of Koya, I love her little fight with Natsu about the the fake turtles because they're, they're like arguing about like why are they wearing masks and it's like to hide their identity, but it's like. But nobody knows who they are in the first place. They get a little scuffle about it. I'm like, that's that's always my favorite bit when people ask why the turtles wear masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like to hide their identity. Is it that it's just like, well, that's that's not the colors they wear. And, yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's right. That's not the color. Yeah, like like they're different turtles because they're wearing white instead of red. <laughs> I mean, it's when they're all wearing white and their weapons are all mixed up that you know it can't be the same turtles, right? right. That that's that's the real. <laughs> Is Leo like so the evil Leo, the one with the size? Yeah. Is he like he must be brainwashed or something, right? Because he kind of stutters when he says he's Leo. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm waiting to see where we learned that they got their programming from. You yeah, know, because yeah. somehow something similar to the turtles and like their history and whatever has been placed in them, but you know, something's off as as we've already, you know, kind of established with multiple different stories. You know, they they have no aversion to killing. That's, you know, they're pro <laughs> pro murder. And uh yeah, they, all their weapons are mixed up and things. So, I'm interested to see why that is and how they have it seems like memories of the turtles. Yeah, we still don't really know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Even like this even references like the free comic book day one, but like since May, all we've known is like they're evil. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they're they're. I mean, it just seems like maybe they're even just more aggressive than yeah. just our normal turtles, and that's like all there really is to it. Which, once again, kind of leads. I don't know. It's like dark turtles, 
plus Crooked Ninja Turtle gang <laughs> mixed together into one thing, like I've said before. Man, they look good. I, I can't believe how, how awesome they look. Every time I see them, I'm like, geez, these are cool looking turtles. Yeah. I, I am a fan. I can't wait to see what exactly they are and, and to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cool looks, there's an awesome splash page in this where like Raphael leaps out of the water on uh on Herman the Hermit Crab. Yeah. And he's wearing that. I, I forgot how much I missed this look, his like uh baseball cap and and kind of winter jacket look yeah it's like the future Raphael look from uh adventures I know and he's he's wearing this series before and even that like uh that board game the not was it shadows of the past um yeah it's one of them it's just it's the IDW adventures yeah there was a kickstarter exclusive that was him like dressed like that called loner raf yeah you had I think that's so cool I think it came with the the second game, so it ended up being City Fall, and mm. it's the one before that though, where you Stockman and the Mousers. But it, it's an expansion you had to get with the uh, with the Kickstarter. You can't buy that now. You can just yeah. buy the base games. I think it, it's a cool look for him. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I like it too. For me, one of the other characters that really shined in this issue is Princess Trib. <laughs> Yeah. I love it when she shows up in there and they're like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And, and she's just refusing to not be there because of everything the turtles have done. But I think that the, the crowning jewel moment with, of like, just that has to do something with her personality is that when they hand her the cloak for her to disguise herself, she's like, does this come in any other colors? <laughs> you know, and you can see that she has the pink motif going on. Yes. And so you can tell that she wants this cloak to be pink. You know, that's that's her aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, you know what? Never mind. I'll just I'll just wear it. You know, <laughs> yeah. she has a very strong aesthetic. And I, I love that. It's funny. And I like all the other neutrinos like reaction to her. Like, like they're being kind of rude to her, but also like under the breath, like your highness, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you are making our job very hard your highness <laughs> yeah also, was... uh, last thing very last page of, of course we get like the cover for the next issue which looks amazing it's like dr barlow working on leatherhead yeah and it looks like metalheads in the background and i'm excited to see him come back because he's he's become one of my more favorite characters in this in this story the like evil donatello metalhead hybrid yeah it it is so cool like they actually made metalhead like an actual character you know instead of just being this instead of just being this robot that is sometimes for the turtles or against them or Mm -hmm. it's just there and like he now actually has a personality and it's just the most interesting and like existential (laughs) yeah like twisted thing they could possibly do with it and it it just works yeah, I love him in a, I think it was the Donatello macro series where like they, they start working together and then Donatello betrays him. Uh-huh. And Metalhead's like, hey, you betrayed me. He's like, well, yeah, but weren't you going to betray me? And like, yeah, like, that's an existential crisis right there. Yeah. That's, like that guy's got the same personality as you and you screwed him over because you thought you were going to screw yourself over, you know, like, yeah, there's layers of nuance to it. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot of it's really cool it makes for complex storytelling yeah and i I honestly can't think of a story that's ever 
done something like that before. Like, oh yeah, my brain got uploaded into this robot or it's still there. And now it's come back and now there's two of me and one of me wants my body. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, the robot me wants my body. I think uh, like not in the Marvel cinematic universe, but in the comics, like um, they used Wonder Man's, I think it was Wonder Man's brain to make the vision. And oh, then yeah. Scarlet Witch falls in love with Vision, but not Wonder Man, you know? Yeah. So there was that whole, but it, it wasn't like, I need my body back or anything like that, like it was with Metalhead. Huh. But yeah, I mean, I also, like, I already kind of talked about at the top about how much I loved what they did with Torben Zix. It's, it is perfect. They adapted him perfectly. I, I love, I didn't mention earlier, but I love when he just like pawns off the Gribbix onto yes. Kala and the others and they're all just standing there like what it just <laughs> happened you know and you see the noble posse run by and now they're just stuck with this gribbix like it's it's just such classic torben zix-ish hijinks mm-hmm. uh if you like those episodes with him in it and fast forward that it's it's just perfect can you go back and watch i already said this i need to go back and watch it or if that gribbix is going to come in into play you know or if it's just like a a one-off kind of comedy beat yeah well because if they do the whole thing where it's like oh these things have or is there's the neutrino that had a bunch of powers on its babies and gribbix had its powers always i maybe it was just all maybe they both had a bunch of powers when they were babies yeah somehow somehow everything from the bench next is like telekinetic when it's a baby (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, but like the, the, the Gribbix and the Neutrino story were like the exact same, just yeah, but slightly the, the, different. The Gribbix grew into a monster yes. somehow. I forget. Did they feed it after midnight or something? Uh, oh, yeah, it was. It was that Gremlins yeah. thing. They fed it after midnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am waiting to see this Gribbix cause chaos and, and something weird to happen with it. But maybe it'll be nothing. Is it midnight uh, Blastorama time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah where is it midnight where does it have to be midnight exactly when you feed yeah. this thing good stuff we're we're like not even halfway into this story though there's like 20 more issues to go yeah which i'm excited for but i'm also like much like i was with the last run and i'm like give it to me now yeah yeah i'd love to i mean the good news is, is since it's coming out across three different titles though we're getting we're getting three a month now because the alliance just came out day of recording Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I've already read it. It's pretty good. And so I'm just happy because we're going to be pretty much getting Ninja Turtles almost every other week now. That's awesome. That's how, I mean, for a lot of this run, that's kind of been how it is with the mini series and then, uh, universe that was running for a while. Like it seemed like it was published well more than once a month for a long time. Yeah. So. I guess I wouldn't know. Cause I read it with the IDW collections. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah for a while and then i eventually was like oh i don't want to be this far behind and i started uh getting caught up because everything kept getting spoiled for me oh yeah that's, nothing that's is cool. sacred <laughs> yeah for a while there i remember like so i started a pool file and i was like just give me all the ninja trails books because i really like them and so i came in one, one week and i had like idw and like the Raphael micro series and color classics i'm like man this is gonna be a lot <laughs> i'm glad i stuck with it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was only picking up Urban Legends for my comic book shop, but I became known as the Ninja Turtle guy, mm-hmm. which they didn't say it to my face. They said it to my wife when she went in there to go pick up something for me. Uh, they're <laughs> like, oh, you're married to the Ninja Turtle guy. And I'm just like, 
she my wife came home and told me that and i felt proud and also ashamed at the same time yeah lots of mixed feelings there <laughs> it's a weird space to be in i understand <laughs> i have a my arcade cabinet behind me the the one up arcade and someone saw it on a zoom meeting it was like oh you like ninja trails i'm like god i'm gonna be that guy you know yeah <laughs> i mean i i already have to be that guy that you know fesses up to having a ninja turtle podcast at work right you know right. which you know wouldn't be too bad if i like i don't know had an office job or something i feel like maybe people would be slightly more accepting but uh i'm an electrician i work construction and so especially when you get those guys from like the country that like you know haven't even watched a movie in like 30 years you know <laughs> that's ridiculous i man you know i sometimes i feel childish but also other times i feel like my life isn't boring yeah i think that's worth a lot more honestly <laughs> yeah i i have free time and something i like to do with it uh but yeah and like a lot of the guys i know like the only thing they can talk about is the work or golf i'm like God, yeah like grow a personality guys yeah like they are just like football you know and if, if you can't if you don't know anything about like what happened over the weekend in all freaking every single nfl game which is a whole lot like i don't know how people get anyway if you're an yeah. nfl fan if you're if you're a sports fan it's cool have your hobby watch your things but i i couldn't just sit on sunday and watch football for for 12 hours straight i couldn't do it <laughs> See, i can't I can, know what happened though. in every game oh good I for can, you though so i like yeah i'm best of both worlds i guess yeah <laughs> i walk I, I walk with two different shoes <laughs> oh I, I mean i'm kind of the same way but i i only lightly follow sports i get the scores i'll catch a game if it's on yeah I'm, uh, I'm if it's a like team that. i'm rooting for but I, I i'm not like a i can't know the name of every last person on every team and who's out and everything else like that's that becomes too much for me oh yeah it's too much too like it's on thursday it's on monday it's on sunday it's yeah. all day sunday and sometimes it's on saturday too like it's too much it's too much football yeah and i'm married and there's only one tv so you know <laughs> <laughs> here's a rant i have spencer so i i'm a cincinnati Bengals fan but i live in nebraska so like i never get to see a game unless they're oh. on like prime time or the super bowl right yeah i understand i'm a browns fan and i live in utah yeah so. yeah that's that ugh, browns uh anyway. yeah sorry sorry about halloween uh that game <laughs> somehow how have the browns they beat us like seven times in a row i'm like it's the browns guys come on it's like one of the few teams we have winning records against or had winning records against i guess they i don't know they i feel like way. that the browns true rival and their true enemy is the people betting on their games so <laughs> <laughs> you know so, they will look really good and people will be like oh wow yeah browns are good they're gonna win this next match and the second you think they're gonna win the next game that's when they'll start losing again and right. and then you'll lose all your money that you were betting uh, <laughs> so you're saying you've lost substantial amounts of money is what you're saying <laughs> i i have not bet on anything but i do know guys at work that do and yeah, uh yeah. and yeah they, the browns screw them over fairly often good for them yeah, so I, man, I used to listen to, I get online and I listen to WCKY, which is the ESPN affiliate out there. So I could listen to like the local broadcast of, of the games when they played. Uh huh. And this year I got online and I got a message that like I was outside the broadcast area and had to subscribe. I'm like, can I have nothing? Like, I already can't watch the game. I yeah. Can't even listen to people 
talk about what's happening in the game. Yeah, well, because Paramount NFL. Yeah, well, because Paramount Plus streams their divisions games. But what happens is, is if you're outside of the range mm-hmm. of Ohio, it's the Steelers end up getting played over the top of it every time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can watch the I can watch the CBS game, and I have actually subscribed to Peacock, so I could watch like one of the what Sunday night games, uh-huh. and then Thursday nights are on Amazon Prime. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, Ugh, I hate it, and I love it, which is even more worse. <laughs> Anyway, we should probably wrap this up, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's get on to news real quick. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. What we got for news this week, Spencer? Uh, in terms of news, we have no news. Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> uh, Armageddon game, The Alliance, number one, came out already. Uh, day we're recording this, it's out. We didn't announce it before. There's also going to be a Best of Leatherhead coming out sometime this month. So keep your eye out for that if you've been collecting those Best of books. Uh, I'm interested to see what issues are included in it. I'm going to guess uh, Tales number six, his first appearance. Um, yeah. What, Archie, I think it's number five, was his first appearance in Archie. And then probably whatever IDW series when he first uh, came in. Yeah. The, he probably, I know there's one that's once ones that are specifically about him that they'll probably yeah. include maybe they'll do like 75 where he eats krang yeah who knows do we do we have a date on that um there probably is one i just was too lazy to look it up uh <laughs> let me see if i can get it real quick november best. 23rd is what i'm seeing on previews world november 23rd so you got some time before that one comes out yeah cool cool anything else for news that's it all right well hey spencer what are we doing next week next week we will be going back to covering the 87 series and so we'll be covering issues 10 11 and 12 of season five so that is (laughs) that is Raphael versus the volcano landlord of the flies and donatello's duplicate those sound like very classic 87 episodes. Oh, yeah. The two of those sound better than the third, but uh, <laughs> we'll see, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so, Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, if you like what you hear, reach out to us somewhere on the internet. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, look for Ninja Turtle Power Hour or Ninja Turtle PH because Ninja Turtle Power Hour is very long to write. Um, and hey, we like uh, giving you this show for free, but if you're ever like, hey, uh, that Keith guy, his throat sounds a little scratchy. I like to buy him a nice hot drink, maybe a coffee to, to, to lubricate that throat. Uh, you can now find us on coffee and donate whatever you think is generous. Uh, we appreciate it. It's all generous to us. That's coffee.com slash Ninja Turtle Power Hour, K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash Ninja Turtle Power Hour, all one word. Thank you in advance. Thank you. You can also find us on TikTok at Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I've been doing a series about Ninja Turtle characters and covering their whole history, essentially. I call it their lore because, uh, I don't know, it makes it sound like what I'm saying is more important uh, and educational. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, Cowabunga Dudes. Cowabunga. Nothing for Mike. Wah. Bummer. Mm-hmm.
brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But yeah, well, I can't remember any useful information. I remember the word statement, but that's it. I'm almost convinced that there is no such thing as useful information. You know, how, how useful it is is relative. You're good. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a really good way of looking at it. So life is meaningless is what you're saying. Perfect. Yeah, you know, just just a little, just a little uh, what's nihilism for your day. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Daily dose of nihilism. Speaking of nihilism and everything meaning nothing, I've been reading Zero Hour crisis from like the 90s zero is that the one where they go back how far are you into it it's the one where parallax i'm pretty okay. much finished it. well what happened is i've read it before but like i was brand new to comics and so i absolutely butchered it reading it because it confused me because the issues are in reverse order so i, I know yeah. how it ends but i thought for some reason that maybe this time it would be like good <laughs> if i read it uh with all the proper tie-ins and everything all right there in order uh i'm i am less confused but still not my favorite not my favorite uh event it's it's pretty i don't know (laughs) well it's basically how jordan going back like now he's becoming a villain he goes back and resets the timeline so he's a hero again yeah he's well that's what he's trying to do and i i just uh even just the way they like they write how jordan turning into parallax just like feels so off kilter and just like so such like i don't know it just doesn't feel like it actually works to me the way they wrote it because like before that he was totally fine he seemed to be coping the two biggest people in his life at that time tom and carol weren't even in coast city he's been traveling and away from coast city for so long like i just he's just doesn't ever seem super connected to it like i don't feel like that event should totally drive him past with all of his grief and then suddenly he just has like daddy issues of like wanting his dad to like accept him and feeling like he was like never accepted by his dad for some reason that just comes out of nowhere that was never there before huh. like <laughs> that story is weird to me because like so my dad was in the green lantern comics he was probably like our age when this was happening uh-huh. back in the 90s so like i don't know that i've ever read zero hour and i definitely i've read like from when coast city was bombed until he like kills sinestro again and yeah becomes parallax yeah or like i distinctly remember reading that when i was fairly young but yeah, like emerald, i remember yeah. hearing about this and, and thinking it was really cool but i never actually read it so yeah it's emerald twilight i guess is is the is that part of the story mm-hmm. where he turns evil and stuff but i don't know and like people said like try to claim that he now suddenly has a ton of nuance but it's like there's only nuance in him saying, hey, guys, I'm still the good guy. I'm not evil. I'm the same guy I've always been. You know, then proceeds to kill his best friend, Kilowog. It's just like, um, <laughs> I don't know. Frustrating. Yeah, it's like, you don't really seem like you're uh, the same well, guy. You know, did, it's not written like that. But. Yeah. What did, uh, what did the bomb coast city in the first place? 
So it happens during the reign of the Superman story. Because mm-hmm. it, like it's Mongol and Cyborg Superman, right? Yeah. 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 So Mongol and Cyborg Superman, they're trying to turn Earth into his war world. And so they drop it's essentially war world with that. Yeah. Mongol. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he bombs Coast City to make it flat and then implants like his first giant engine to to make that spot the spot for one of his engines to fly his war world around uh you know he fails to do his other ones in metropolis and in the other places but it's just kind of like this big giant thing that hits there and becomes an engine to pilot it so then coast city is obliterated and then like well, there's like still like a few issue, issues in between that and like how turning evil and he totally seems like he's coping with it. He seems fine. He's like, man, you know, I would like some time to like talk with Carol and Tom about this, but there isn't time, you know, kind of thing. You know, we can maybe re- reminisce and like, you know, pay, pay a decent homage to, the, you know, the people that were there. You know, like it, it makes sense for him to be sad about it, but like the level of grief to like, you know, then turn evil and like knock out the core and then and then kill yeah. your best friend, <laughs> kill a wog. Uh, it just, I don't know. It's pretty. Man, Tomar Ray must have cared 0% about Krypton because like him messing up blew up a whole planet and he like was fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Krypton wasn't his hometown though. Exactly. That's a, he must have just zero Fs given. <laughs> but, but it was Guy Gardner's town too. And Guy Gardner's coping. So Guy Gardner can cope, but you can't maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize Guy Gardner was also from Coast City. I I don't know. It was like a throwaway line here in Zero Hour where he mentioned being from there too. He sh- yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if he's actually supposed to be from there originally, but there was just some throwaway. Like I said some throwaway line. Yeah. In Zero Hour, saying he was maybe he actually wasn't, and they just got their continuity mi- mixed up because maybe I don't know. It's pretty hard to keep track of the continuity in Zero Hour. It's when Guy Gardner's had a weird history too. Like when I was growing up, like Guy Gardner was a bad guy. Yeah. Or kind of a bad guy. Like he had Sinestro's ring for a while. And then he was a warrior for a while. He could like make weapons out of his arms and stuff. Yeah. So I'm in the warrior phase right now. And that's where you he's know, at. Another weird thing they did with Zero Hour. And I only know this because I went back and read like all of that Peter David Aquaman run where like he loses his hand. Yeah. He's got the beard and stuff. I didn't even um, get her read how he lost his hand. Suddenly power girl is just giving birth and wonder woman is there. And Aquaman just stumbles in just like there's death everywhere. A child shouldn't be born into this. My arm hurts. And there's just like a stump there. And I'm like, what happened to you? Oh yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> then uh... you never see him again for the rest of the event. <laughs> <laughs> like what That's happened funny. to Aquaman? Oh, yeah, it happens in his own comic. Uh, like a dude, I think his name is True. What is it, True Bay? No, that can't be right. Anyway, whatever this guy's name is, he's able to, like, um, I don't remember if he, like, suppresses Aquaman's powers or steals them somehow, mm-hmm. but he basically commands uh, piranhas to eat his hand off and sticks his hand into a vat of piranhas. That's how he loses his hand. Huh. Yeah pretty extreme but i have seen like i've seen the 90s art of him with the hook for a hand yeah it's actually it's uh, a pretty good series it's it's a little confusing but it's it's pretty good like yeah for a while like atlantis was like a spaceship or something it was kind of weird but 
it got pretty crazy good overall yeah is but that what, around when power girl got her like atlantean origin it might have been i don't She's remember someone that has that. just as confusing a history as as donna troy does oh yeah yeah what is yeah why do they make these characters with such confusing histories i don't get it what happens is they like they have one story and then they're like yeah that's that was kind of lame like let's maybe fix this or like the crisis is supposed to like change their origin but they they need this character to still be as old as they are now that this crisis is but since this crisis has changed like the origin of wonder woman that donna troy comes from it's like now we've got to like alter her and where she came from and and they yeah. try and do it in like this convoluted way that just makes everything worse as, they, as yeah. it builds you know yeah. it's like oh power girl there was no earth too though because it's all just one earth now because of the crisis on infinite earths so we can't just have her be like another Krypton, like her, you know, Superman and Supergirl are supposed to be the only Kryptonians. So now she's like Atlantean. And <laughs> well, and there for a while, I thought she was like, what it was like, there was a couple people, there was like her and Psycho Pirate and a couple others that were like, just left over from the old universe and remembered the old universe, which is strange also. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow like Power Girl like that heavily. Uh, she just kind of shows up in the Justice League Europe books. Apparently, her and uh, Hal got intimate in the middle of a battle under a construct at hmm. some point in a comic that's not even on DC Universe Infinite, you know, for some reason. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, they left out that whole bit of that Strange. whole run of Justice League Europe. Queer that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but what I was going to say, oh, sorry, I'm going back to the Aquaman and, and Zero Hour thing is... Oh, yeah uh like for like a couple months there they would because like the universe was ending or something it was some like marketing thing where they like just cut off like the last half of the last page of the fan letters uh-huh which like <laughs> i wasn't really reading them anyway when i was reading through these comics but like i just noticed that and i took a picture and i said to my dad I'm like what is this a printing error do i have like a like a super rare like error comic he's like oh no that was just some stupid marketing thing they were doing because the world was ending yeah That's really weird <laughs> the, the last page of all of the books that like take place right before issue zero mm -hmm. i'll have that exact same thing going on so you oh. see like a panel of whatever's going on and then it just like breaks apart and fades into white kind of thing yeah yeah that's kind of what was happening yeah weird yeah weird weird stuff well it's because time's being unraveled the whole universe is. the whole universe oh god <laughs> for it to you know then abruptly not be probably I don't you know, know. A, a series that I went back and read um, that wasn't as good the second time. Like, it was still okay. Mm -hmm. It was another Green Lantern one. It was Blackest Night. Uh -huh. I, just have, I just have the hardcover that's like Blackest Night proper one through eight. It's not all the, I mean, oh, yeah. like 14 billion ties and tie-ins to that thing. Well, that's like, kind of, mm, well, that's what I've kind of learned about a lot of these is like, usually the event itself is not all that fantastic i mean mm -hmm. crisis on infinite earths does a good event uh as far as like everything that happens but like zero hour the the perks of zero hour and the stuff that's good in zero hour are usually the ones that are away from the actual crisis and them trying to figure out who's behind it you know yeah. as we get into that very convoluted stuff of time travel with wave rider and extent and time trapper and monarch and that whole ordeal yeah and i think there was something where like they had accidentally revealed the, the identity of one of the it was either it might have been extant or it might have been monarch 
like was supposed to be Hank Hall. Yeah, they changed it or they changed it to Hank Hall or something. Like there was some. It was always Hank Hall from everything I've read in Armageddon. Okay. Get, well, he's in, like it was like Armageddon two thousand one or something like that. Mm. So that happened like back in nineteen ninety one or ninety two, ninety three. I think I want to say it's ninety one because it's supposed to be like ten years in the future. Uh, so you know to make sure it would age really well. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> no one's gonna live another ten years. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's gonna die in the year two thousand. It's fine, right. you know. Yeah, we'll That's never get that prophecy. far. Y two K. Y two K. But Blackest Night, like, it's not like it's bad or anything, but like, it just goes at such a breakneck pace because there was so many tie-ins. Yeah. That like, so like, there's one issue where they get like the Red Lantern Spectre, and then you just never see him again. Or like, the end of issue seven, uh, Sinestro gets the White Lantern power, and he has it for that panel and the first two panels of issue eight, and that's it. Yeah, no, <laughs> like if it's you, like this huge reveal, and that's yeah. all we got. <laughs> if you only read like the main like I guess base comics of like any DC event, at least so far that I've read, mm-hmm. you will not get the full story, and you won't get like the best parts essentially, yeah. because like that's like the trunk of the I, I don't know, like it should be like a trunk of a tree, and everything else is branches, but like the other it's things the are opposite. Also, it's like <laughs> the other things are a part of the trunk too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they really. they go out into branches uh but yeah like you you just don't get the like i didn't even really know because i was just reading jeff john's run on green lantern so when i got to blackest night and read all of it there's even a lot of moments where i just was really confused because i wasn't reading all of these other books that go along with blackest night like right. i was just reading uh just reading green lantern and so you know, it's getting like this thing with like Ray Palmer and some, I don't know if he had like a girlfriend or something like that, that had killed someone or she was a murderer. She was terrible. Oh yeah. That's a or something. identity crisis is when that happens. Anyway. Yeah. Spoilers, okay. I guess. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I already know about like the stuff that happens with Dr. Light and Sue Dibney and that, like I've, you know, it's infamous. Yeah. Uh, that, and... I think that's identity crisis, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, like the one where they start debating like the ethics of, zatanna being able to erase people's memories mm-hmm. yeah. kind of thing it's kind of an infamous story for when dc pushed it too far <laughs> uh, i'll tell you another bad crisis uh, you might have read it already i would not recommend it is heroes in crisis i have not read it okay oh it was so bad i was like both confused and also disappointed well like, i'm i'm a glutton for punishment so i'll probably okay. end up reading it anyway uh so <laughs> so it's a big whodunit yeah and they've narrowed it down it's either harley quinn Mm -hmm. who who killed murdered or maimed these people or it's booster gold it's like one of those people shoots energy blasts from the future and the other one has a hammer like how can you (laughs) the world's greatest detective can't figure that out yeah (laughs) like he narrowed it down to the two most opposite people in the entire dc universe i've narrowed it down to harley quinn the insane clown woman yeah or booster gold <laughs> yeah the capitalist superhero <laughs> right yeah it, the whole thing and like that was the linchpin of the thing I'm like, how in the world the world's greatest detective can't figure this out <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean the thing is is i i feel like you have a lot of people right batman who aren't actual like crime writers oh yeah yeah and and so you end up with like some of the lamest mysteries that it's like oh yeah didn't you know 
didn't take Batman to solve that one. <laughs> you know, yeah, I had it figured out. You know, and there's ones like Hush where it's like super obvious the whole time you read it. Uh, so it's pretty like rare the, that you get those stories. Like the smoking gun is inside with all the broken glass from the window. It's like, well, no, someone shot into the room and then planted the gun. Obviously, Batman. Like I know that. I'm. I know nothing of criminology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has like CSI and NCIS just like sucked away all the good crime writers and now they're just like pumping out whatever crap those shows put out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Batman could could probably use that, you know, to, to help actually like have like an actual crime mystery. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't think that that's like a big enough. I don't know. People always read Batman, but I was kind of like talking with some people on Reddit and kind of came to the realization that to get people to read comics, every story has to like be this massive impactful at least sound like it's going to be this massive impactful big deal uh that's gonna you know completely change the universe forever kind of thing to get people to read it never never does yeah exactly it just then gets reset and so it's like like with green lantern you know the core is about to get destroyed this person that's upset at the guardians for something they did in the past has come to destroy the green lantern core well, it's and usually they, an old Green Lantern too. It's Sinestro or the First Lantern, or you know, yeah, the, Sinestro, the little first... blue guys come back for revenge. You know, yeah. Crona, <laughs> Crona, that's his name. Yes, Sinestro, <laughs> Atrocitus. Yeah, uh, yeah, holy cow, yeah, yeah, and that—that's just a Jeff Johns run. But then you know, after that, you have like Relic nearly destroy the Green Lantern. And like, I love Jeff Johns run, but after Jeff Johns run, he'd worn out the trope like it was old. Mm -hmm. So then you have like Relic come in and he destroys, nearly destroys the Green Lantern Corps. And then in the most recent run that they had where like uh, by Jeffrey Thorne, it's like the people who used magic and the Guardians locked up magic because that was chaotic years ago. And they destroy the power battery. And, you know, the Green Lanterns are nearly destroyed and on the edge of extinction as you know they're getting attacked and trying to figure out who did it it's super obvious that it was the magic people but you know uh you know it was the people who seem to be magic people they seem to be very hostile at the very beginning (laughs) towards the guardians and everyone else i was waiting for it to not be them and like there to be a twist but no it it was it was just them uh they do what you do i I read a lot of just like single character books like for a while i was collecting uh venom the tony moore and god who was the writer on that cannot remember the writer but it was it was when uh flash thompson was venom okay uh it was after he he i think he lost his legs in afghanistan or something and and got the venoms to kind of like in a sedated state so he could could, so he could control it um Hmm. but like within the first three issues they're like don't keep it on for more than 24 hours or else the sedation will, will wear off and like within exactly 24 hours he he goes over that time limit but uh <laughs> there's there's a part like i'm reading through this and then suddenly like everyone in new york is a spider person for two issues and then it doesn't resolve and then it's back to just doing whatever venom was about i'm like man these tie-ins like they really just are a yeah. bump in the road if you're collecting just the single characters issues you know yeah no they they are you're suddenly just like wait what what's going on and then it's like what the hell spider island what <laughs> yeah you've got like this other thing going on in this this other issue and you're just super confused that's kind of what's happening to me reading uh final crisis i haven't i if there's one corner of the dc universe i know nothing about it's like the legion of superheroes and the legionnaires 
and all of that and so like a huge part like a huge thing that must have been popular in the 90s was the legion and so you had like legion 94 so that's like the beginnings of the legion that was happening in the year 1994 you have the legion of superheroes you have legionnaires and you have uh i think like valor kind of i don't know in this story at least he was with them so i think he's technically a part of the legion of superheroes i think some of them were getting like their own book and so there's so many of these that have to do with them and i'm like i have no idea what's going on in your story like what you guys yeah. are like with the past and future versions of you and that doesn't have anything to do with this event that has to do with time <laughs> you were just hanging out with the future version of yourself <laughs> and like now the future version of yourself has to disappear so that you can fix time now what like what what is going on <laughs> yeah, i don't know much about the legion superheroes either they had a cartoon for a while when i was like in high school or something huh. it wasn't too bad yeah um but that was another, that final crisis like there was a whole like countdown to it and then like a weekly issue that came out also and that's where like dc became obsessed with the number 52 yeah <laughs> which i i've never understood like get get over it guys like yeah <laughs> when they make a multiverse there's like there's 52 multiverses i'm like you're only doing that because you dedicated your whole company to putting out an issue every week for a year like we don't have to hold on to that forever guys yeah <laughs> 52 52 well that and they just seem to like constantly be an event and like now there's like no real continuity at all it's like, yeah, you can reference any point of any continuity ever that you want to reference. And it's it's just like a big mess. They used to call that uh, hyper time was the concept that they had, which was like everything takes place. It just might be in a slightly different version of the universe or something. Uh huh. So like Wonder Woman and Black Canary are both founding members of the Justice League, just not necessarily the same kind of Justice League yeah they're just like kind of tangent to each other um but it was shut down pretty quick i think so yeah right right now it had to do like something with rebirth where they like made it so everything is canon and everything's not canon you know there there really is no canon kind of thing going on uh so i mean granted that brought back things like the jsa and stuff that they got rid of with the new 52 which is cool uh you know now we're actually going to be getting a jsa book again so that's that's cool uh hey I'm, I'm back i don't know what happened oh you left <laughs> yeah I, i'm getting a, a thing now that says my internet connection is unstable so sorry oh you're good i was just rambling i was just saying that like rebirth made everything not canon which brought back the jsa which is cool because i love the jsa i do too man but there's, there's so many cool characters that like we just never do anything with for some reason i guess maybe it's because no one cares about them anymore for some reason but like our man I love that concept. Have you read Jeff John's uh uh I'm yeah. going to when oh, no, I right? get no. there in my drug addict who's a superhero? Which one? We are way behind each other. Are we caught up now? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> are we really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh thank God. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a song minute behind me <laughs> oh wow yeah it was it was a long time but so you are gonna read uh uh jeff john's run at some point yes so like i've been doing like i don't know because i'm insane 
yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've met you for five minutes. I know that. Yeah, yeah. That read. I'm so I'm reading from Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I'm gonna try and like catch up to modern continuity from there. Reading characters I'm interested in, and in, in reading all of the like crisis events at least, or any crisis or any events tangential to the characters that I've decided that I'm interested in. Wow. So it's a lot, but uh, so yeah, I've gone from. Crisis on Infinite Earths to zero hour right now that I'm in the middle of. So from 87 to 94. I think I'm actively reading. Well, I guess I, I take that back. I, I don't think I'm reading DC books, but I did just start pulling that uh, Sergeant Rock versus Zombies, whatever. Yeah, versus the called Army of the Dead or whatever. Army of the Undead or something? Yeah, it's or maybe is it, or is it versus the army of darkness is it versus the army of darkness because it is written by uh what's his face give me two shakes i'll be right back i gotta sit on a shelf over here you good it's written by the guy that plays the main character in the evil dead movies that the guy that plays ash all right is sergeant rock versus the army of the dead the army of the dead okay so it's not related to the evil dead at all no but I know it's written. They're just really that. skirting that uh, that copyright infringement versus the army of the dead who are evil, <laughs> <laughs> versus the army of dead who come from the darkness. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the guy that plays Ash in those movies, and I forget his name. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Yep. There it is. Yeah. Good movies. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the original Evil Dead, but I've because I was told the Evil Dead Two is the same movie, just better. So I just watched the Evil Dead too. Yeah, I. It's been a long time since I've seen Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, but yeah. And then I, I watched I like Army this, of Darkness. The second one is a little bit more. Yeah, the second one's a little more comedic, but uh, the first one's pretty good still. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was told is that the second one was better because it took itself less seriously. I don't know. That's just what the exhibit at the Mopop told me in, in Seattle. <laughs> so I believe <laughs> if someone's dedicated their time to study versus evil dead. I did. Oh no, no, I didn't. Sorry, I was thinking Army of Darkness when you said that for some reason. I have not watched Ash versus the Evil Dead. Let me hold that thought. Let me disconnect and connect again because we're still not syncing up. Okay. Okay, hopefully that fixes it. I think it is. Here's open. So yeah, I, I really re recommend Ash versus Evil Dead, which I th think it might still be on Netflix, but it was like an AMC show. Um, it's really, really good. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Watch that after Futurama. Yeah. That's what it was. That's what I told you. I was, I was sitting there like trying to remember. I was like racking my brain the other day trying to be like, what was that show that I said I would watch? Now, now I remember. Thanks. Yeah, to tattoo it on your arm so you don't forget. There you go. I ended up just <laughs> watching another episode of Nathan for you because I couldn't remember. 